You are listening to Serva Soundbites, the official podcast of Serva, a leading global relocation management and moving services company. We aim to bring you authentic and insightful discussions on the latest trends and best practices in global talent mobility and the evolving future of work. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hello and welcome to Serva Soundbites. I am Emma Dodwell-Groves, Senior Manager of Global Advisory Services at Serva. I will be your host for today's podcast episode. As we are nearing the end of the year, we thought it would be fitting to do a roundup on key moments in global talent mobility in 2023. And with me today to provide some insight looking back on 2023 is Hannah Richardson, Senior Vice President of Global Strategic Services at Serva. Glad to have you on the podcast, Hannah. Oh, thank you, Emma. And hi, everyone. I'm Hannah. And yes, what a year this has been. We've witnessed strategic shifts and disruptions in global talent mobility, namely due to a myriad of political, economic and social impacts, haven't we? We certainly have. It hasn't necessarily been an easy year for many organizations due to those geopolitical tensions, rising costs, inflation rates, and of course, the economic downturn. So global mobility leaders certainly have had a lot on their plates. Yes, they really have. And on top of that, we've seen a number of technology and digital advancements that have continued to shape and influence employee experience. And this really has forced GM leaders to rethink their approach to talent mobility. And I think as we, Emma, you know, draw to a close of 2023, we're going to highlight just some of those key learnings across the global mobility industry. And I think ultimately give leaders a review in terms of what they've had to navigate across all these macro dimensions and what this means for their program and the ongoing delivery and management of that program. Certainly not too ambitious then. It certainly is a lot to cover. So I think let's get started without further ado. Let's start by talking, maybe looking backwards a little bit at some of the key themes that we have looked at across the five episodes we've done so far of this podcast. So far, we've covered the broader macro trends and how they impact mobility in the first episode, followed by an episode on diversity, equity, and inclusion in our industry specifically, then on environmental social governance. And that episode was particularly focused on environmental sustainability elements. Then in episode four, we looked at how mobility can foster a supported and connected employee experience. And our latest episode was on core flex. So quite a broad range of topics, but there are some things that weaved through across all of those. So Hannah, what can you pull out as some of the key learnings throughout all of those five episode topics? Thanks, Emma. I think for me, global mobility leaders today still need to really strike this balance between leveraging technology and really providing that human touch. I mean, ultimately, we're a people business and we need to be human centric. And even more so at a time where we have a multi-generational workplace. I mean, just look, we have five generations working alongside each other. I think when you look at the fact that there are more than 10,000 baby boomers leaving the workplace a day, this is just alone in the US. It brings a new imperative and focus for leaders. I mean, I think for CEOs, today, the new headache for tomorrow is, are we just going to have enough talents? What does this mean, you know, from an organizational perspective, creating critical objectives around attracting and retaining talent, and of course, continuing to deliver that duty of care to our workforce, tightening and continuing to evolve employee experiences. And I think, Emma, many of these now 
are falling back onto the GM leaders' plate. Global mobility has just become so much more than domestic or international relocation, even as it is of an organization's most prized asset, you know, their people. Leading edge mobility leaders today wanting to remain current and, of course, their programs purposeful have a host of new and different emerging topics and areas of focus to navigate than ever before. And I also think mobility leaders, you know, really do need to take a step back and understand how their role and function aligns and supports the talent agenda, as well as ensuring that the macro impacts and events that are known are really understood and are considered as part of their broader strategic thinking and planning. And I think as I look back and reflect on 2023, we most certainly see the rise of the CSR philosophy across a number of our client programs. We've successfully supported our clients since, you know, with sustainability initiatives, DEI initiatives, yeah. not just as a discussion element, but more so at that functional level, ensuring that those topics are well presented and woven through programs, you know, at a policy, a process and a governance level too. But I think we're also seeing, Emma, that for many of our GM leaders, new areas, so things like safeguarding a mobile workforce or failing well, as you and I both heard at a recent vendor summit uh, with an oil and gas client, they shared with us, you know, those learnings and experiences of what had happened right through to employee well-being. And I think sadly, yet again this year, it's all about ensuring that you have a crisis management response in place for emergency situations such as we're seeing unfold across the Middle East. And, you know, yet another war means further considerations for employees, for family evacuations across that region. And I think quite often, you know, what we've continued to see are organizations, companies looking to global mobility leaders for steer and counsel on what they should do, how they should respond and and where where people should be moving from and to. So that's already been a tour de force, I think, you know, in in a broad level summary as to some of the macro elements that have influenced everything we've been looking at across mobility. And I think any mobility leader would find resonance with all of that and some areas more than other. I think a few points to sort of just pull out there. One is about, you know, you're talking about failing well and the ability to fail. I think the problem is failure is such a negative connotation and people assume that's something we should all avoid. But considering what's out there, considering how unknown things are and how unpredictable things are, I think failing well is really an essential strategy for the future, that it's not something we should be afraid of. But as long as you, like you said, have those contingencies and scenario plans in place and a safe opportunity for people to innovate and come up with ideas and come up with solutions, that's the only way you're going to get through basically the unknown. You know, it's too hard to predict and get it right. So you can make your predictions, but you can also have things in place in case they go differently. And I think the other thing I'd really like to draw out, we were talking about conflicts that have been going on in 2023. And even when we you know, face the initial onslaught of the pandemic or or supply chain issues or inflationary challenges, all of those things, you know, a big social economist might have predicted that these things could happen, but businesses weren't really ready for them. And I think the fact that they've had to, and mobility department and mobility functions have had to become a central figure of authority and insight on those, a central point of information, probably because the mobility 
function does cross so many different areas. So I think if we're talking about some of those conflicts and the challenges people are facing, not only you mentioned in evacuating people, um, so physically moving them from one place to another, which is what we, of course, do in mobility, but there's also psychological safety and perception of safety. So if you're moving your people out of Russia or out of Ukraine or out of the Middle East, are they going somewhere where, let's say as a Russian, they feel safe? What's the environment they're going into? And that has parallels across with DEI as well. Like you mentioned, you know, the types of support we've been giving to clients to say how we're are relocating employees feeling about their diversity status in this location based on X or Y scenario. Also, I'd say considering when and how to evacuate, all those considerations, the plans you mentioned that mobility has been a major contributor to for organizations and balancing those business needs and priorities with your employee safety and well-being. Having reflected on some of those elements, I'd like to probe a little deeper on what you see as the best approach when we're talking about displacements due to global events. Yeah, critical and important questions, Emma. And I think really in its simplest form, it's about going back to basics. You need to be able to trigger a response. And I think fundamentally, it's knowing where are your people and ensuring that your people and their families, you know where they're, they're living, where they're working, where they're residing, but also that you're really centered in their well-being. I think their well-being is absolutely critical. The other piece that we are seeing, and this is particularly like you, like you draw a parallel with the pandemic. I think post-pandemic, many organizations realize the need to have contingency plans or scenario planning in place. And if they didn't then, they definitely did post the Ukraine-Russian, the start of the war. Mm. And I think now many organizations have those in place. And it really is a case of looking at, have you got your communication plan? Is that fully streamlined across the business of all those that need to be part of a decision-making forum to support and enable the emergency right. movement of people from and to different locations. And I don't think it's necessarily if it's a case of when the next disruption happens. I think sadly, that's kind of how if you want contingency planning or emergency crisis response has really evolved, certainly over this year. And I think for a number of our clients, they are very proactive in this space and are continually assessing their emergency response plans to geopolitical events, just as we've mentioned. But I think also, if you look back, Emma, over 2023, we've had quite a few natural disasters like the earthquake event in Morocco and sadly more extreme weather events, such as those we saw with the, the large scale floods across California mm -hmm. in January this year, Cyclone Freddy ripping through Malawi, Mozambique and Madagascar. And of course, the floods and landslides across Brazil, yeah. the wildfires that went crazy across uh, Canada, and of course, heat waves across Texas, New Mexico, Arizona. And then, of course, all those stories circulating on um, European TVs mm -hmm. where, you know, you have thousands of locals and tourists trapped on, trapped on the Greek islands and before that on Hawaii. So an organization's response to such extreme events will involve mobility in some capacity, just given the increasing volatility and mobile nature of our workforce today. Right. So what I'm hearing from you, you know, is exactly that it's not just we're looking at conflicts, but we're also looking at environmental effects. So it's not just geopolitics. 
and things like COVID that I think I think even rises above, you know, global pandemics rises above both of those elements as well. And who knows what else? Like you, the point is, you have to have planning in place for something entirely unseeable potentially. And so, like you said, mobility I think really is at the center of that. I'd say we're heading towards even more change. 2024 is a really interesting year for potential change and upheavals. And really, we talk about change being the new normal, but it's not its not just new normal, it's, it's constant. It's always been around, but the scale of it and the speed of it is sort of escalating on a daily basis. So 2024 marks the largest democratic voting year in recorded history. We have 40 countries holding elections, which makes it 41% of the world's population actually voting next year and a large proportion of the GDP of the world being affected by the countries that are going to the election, the ballot boxes next year. So it's an exciting but daunting prospect. We don't know how any of these elections are going to go and what changes they'll make to politics and foreign policy, but also Mm. environmental policy to bring in some of those other potential issues that we may be facing. And there could be even more shifts going on in the next year and ahead than are already taking place in a pretty turbulent world, I think. So change globally and change in organizations. So that leads me on to the next sort of area where where you think global mobility sits now and going forward in, in relation to those wider organizational shifts. Yeah, good question. And I think really, when I look at this, it's global mobility's position in an organisation has never really been more critical today. And it's almost like, you know, global mobility teams now always need to be in always on mode or standby mode. And mobility teams will have to work with potentially an even wider range of stakeholders from across further functions of their business in order to support an organisation's response not just to the sort of geopolitical events and the extreme weather events that we've just been through, but also to the changing organisational talent agenda. And I think this really means creating a programme with a strategy and policies that support the talent agenda to ensure that organisations can continue to attract and retain the best talent, particularly as we see shifts in working patterns and look at the impact that this has had on talent mobility as well. I mean, you just take a look at kind of a pre-pandemic world and the workplace versus, you know, a post-pandemic world. You know, we've seen and witnessed the onset of new and very different type of working patterns, many never seen before. And for many organisations would never have even been entertained. So things like hybrid work, remote work, and of course, now we're seeing the continual rise of the gig worker. And it, you know, it doesn't feel, Emma, you know, too long ago since we were last grappling with the Great Resignation and, gosh, you know, how that conversation's accelerated. So <laughs> industries, whilst some are still feeling the fallout from what we had previously and are needing to continue to adapt their people strategies accordingly. But I think as we look forward, and as mentioned earlier, the new CEO headache for tomorrow is, will I have enough workers in the business, the organisation that I lead? And therefore, I think a critical question for mobility leaders today is, well, actually, what does that mean in terms of the role that mobility needs to play in the talent space to ensure that global mobility continues to be that enabler of tackling and dealing with some of these large organisational questions that are now starting to present? And you know, things are happening so fast and GM leaders 
quite often just don't have the luxury of time to respond to these changes. I think specifically as it relates to the growing business demands for more non-traditional assignments, you know, like we are starting to see rising numbers of international short and medium term remote work. We're seeing much more than just discussions around virtual assignments, but actually how do we make these happen? And also a larger focus on business travellers and international new hires than ever before when you look at how, if you want, the shifting dynamics of the programme has really advanced from where, you know, we would typically be just dealing with long-term assignments or short-term assignments or permanent transfers into more of those non-traditional assignments as mentioned. And so those have all evolved really, you know, in response to those talent needs, like you said, and mobility sitting more in that role of the organisation saying, well, who's our talent now? Who's in our pipeline for future, especially future leadership? Like you mentioned, all the baby boomers retiring. So who's in, in that pipeline for future talent? Where are they coming from? And if we don't have them in one location, are we moving them from elsewhere? But also, and another key element of mobility there in enabling that talent pipeline is what skills do they have? Even if you have the right people with the fast change of the way we do work and integrating of technology, do they have the skills they need? And maybe, and not just maybe, I know for a fact that going on an assignment is an opportunity to develop key skills that you'll need in a global organization and in in an ever complex landscape. So using mobility as a tool to help develop that skill as well as to relocate it around the world and identify it and find it and also upskill it. And I think it's really interesting, you know, you mentioned again, the different generations intermingling in the workforce and, and just reflecting that we're seeing that shift in the way that employees and customers want to engage. That's something we've seen all through 2023. We saw it, you know, emerging in the years before then, but really I think it came into its own, showing that people want a particular way to engage. They want maybe their business or mobility services to reflect their shopping experiences or how they engage on other commercial bases. But on the other side, on the flip side, we also see that There's a population who is kind of overwhelmed with all this independence and choice and self-serve, and they're going through enough life changes that they really do want a more differentiated and elevated experience and someone to help them out. So we've seen at the same time as the rise in this self-serve and independent opportunities to engage, also the rise in EVIP services and special white glove services. So I think that ties into some of the other content that we talked about previously in episode five of our podcast, where Martin Johnson came and spoke to us about the rising popularity of core flex programs. I think we talked a little bit about that as well. And I think if we're talking about weaving these trends across 2023 and all the topics we've talked about, I'd say that flexibility and consideration of different needs, like a human-centered approach, is relevant across the whole mobility spectrum, all the podcast topics, all the trends that you're talking about and all these reflections that we're seeing, they all at the heart of mobility trends, as well as things like your core flex design and how crucial it is for organizations to understand their overall objectives and culture. That I think is really at the heart of it to consider how mobility can fit into those broader business objectives and culture and serve those needs exactly the way that you've been talking about mobility as a talent enabler, as a responder to the unknowns and unpredictable things happening up in front of us. So one of the ways I've mentioned briefly, but I don't think we've really gotten into that I think we should probably touch on as a reflection over 2023 is the 
need to leverage technology. And that's continued as an evolution, as we know. But I'd like you, if you can, Hannah, to reflect back on 2023 and tell us what you've seen in regard to the digital transformation in our industry. Yeah, sure. So I think, firstly, digital transformation can mean different things for different organizations. I think this really, really talks to, you know, the maturity of digital tools being made available to global workforces. I mean, we've seen across our industry the continued development and rollout of new digital offerings being made available across industry. So, for example, we're seeing a lot more self-serve HRIS platforms being implemented across our clients' global HR organizations and quite often extending through to the, the global mobility functions, too. And we are seeing the continued rise of integration requests from our clients' organizations wanting that direct through data processing with our systems, really to to remove the manual touch of data and any potential miskeying of critical data that comes through. So really getting great automation and good synergies in practice between our client organizations and ourselves. But at Server, you know, we continue to invest and grow our and develop our integrated digital business ecosystem both for our relocation and moving service solutions. And our business ecosystem continues to evolve and become more connected with our client systems, but also with our global supply chain partners. And of course, all of this is accessed by a platform for our customers and also for our own people who are serving. Yep, really streamlining the whole process, uh, making it more seamless. Yep. But what about the you know the elephant in the room? What about AI? <laughs> We've started to see AI widely available in 2023. We can't ignore it. It's already here. So has it already started to have an impact, do you think, on the way we work in mobility? Yeah, and I think I think it is going to. You know, we had a super roundtable discussion with our clients and prospects over the summer. And we were talking really about the potential use of AI on a global mobility program, either today or in the future. And I think really the key takeout and learning from that particular roundtable and where that discussion landed is that there is still some critical elements that need to be solutioned for. And the main one really was around the security concerns around the sharing of PII of employees beyond the company Mm -hmm. firewall. So meaning really that many clients today are playing with AI within the firewall and taking stock or if you want watching across the internal fence of what other functions are doing within their organization as it relates to AI. But our clients did share that AI is actively being used on a broader global scale. And typically, it's those functional revenue generating uh, areas of their business or where potentially there is a material opportunity for OPEX uh, synergy savings. Whereas I think, you know, the discussion for us was very centered around, well, You know, global mobility is a cost, you know, it it is a cost center within organizations today. And the focus really is continuing to trial pilot AI within the firewall, but not yet really using AI in an open in an open forum. There is a cost, you know, there is a cost consideration too for any organizations rolling out AI. So I think in summary, there's currently time and space for GM leaders to learn about the AI application and what benefits and synergies it can bring internally. And I think it's continuing to watch and learn what the broader 
and wider organization is doing with AI and also looking to, to, to your mobility partners to continue that thinking and the art of the possible, Emma, where all this may, it may result. Yeah, absolutely. And that neatly highlights, I think, another important trend that I'd love to just cover off before we finish today's podcast as our final topic. And it's a topic that has underpinned everything in 2023 and probably the years and eons before then, which is a focus on cost. What are your observations on that ever-present factor, Hannah? (laughs) So I think the key here is it feels to me that there will always be a focus on cost. You know, that remains the the ever constant. Right. That remains the ever constant discussion with our with our client organisations, and macro events like COVID nineteen have enabled organisations to consider alternatives in terms of non traditional approaches, still to enable and mobilise a global mobile workforce, for example. So I think whilst costs remain a cautious focus. The role that mobility plays is still hugely important in driving talent strategies, but there needs to be a greater focus on selective and careful investment for mobility and also ensuring that we can articulate the return on investment of that spend. And it really, again, comes down to selecting the right person and providing the right level of support so that talent can be successful from the go-get in whatever their mobile experience takes form. But I think also further leveraging a relocation experience so that new skills and capabilities can be learned and developed and mastered. This is also a crucial element of what we want as a relocation outcome uh, for the broader talent agenda. So I very much see, you know, mobility still being that enabler to talent and continuing to serve the wider business talent needs. Thank you very much, Hannah. A perfect place to wrap up our podcast. It's all been super informative. But before we wrap up, we always get our subject matter expert to share a top tip. And you have the big responsibility of sharing a top tip for the whole of 2023 as we head (laughs) into 2024. So what's your top tip for heading into 2024? So I think in summary, as we look back over 2023 and the enormity of events that have taken place over the current year and as we look forward to the new year I think my top tip would be for all GM leaders and GM team members to assume nothing and be prepared for everything. I like that that's a bumper sticker I think we should get everybody in the mobility industry with that bumper sticker. So that is perfect. Thank you so much, Hannah, for joining us today and sharing your wisdom around global talent mobility. Thanks, Emma. I've had a smashing time and uh, thank you for having me on. And that brings us to the end of our podcast today. Thank you for listening to Service Soundbites. If you enjoy our show, please click subscribe and share and be sure to come back again next time. Until then, this is Emma and Hannah. And don't forget, Serva provides everything needed to move talent and deliver experience. See you next time. 